0: Hello and welcome back to the IAU podcast featuring athlete interviews and today I'm joined by Katrina Jennings from Ireland. Katrina is the national 50k record holder and has also represented Ireland in the Olympics running the marathon in the London Olympics 2012. Katrina, welcome to the podcast. I'm going to start by asking how did you first get into running and why did you drift towards the marathon?
1: Hi John. Um, I think uh, getting into running was something that it's just happened naturally throughout my life. I kind of ran... As a, as a young athlete, I ran as a junior through, during school, cross-country, and um, the focus really at that time was on triathlon because I was more of a triathlete than a runner. Um, and then when I was in college, uh, I guess I didn't have enough time or as much time as I wanted to train at all three disciplines and just focused more so on running because it was always my favourite of the three. Then I suppose the transition to marathon was when I kind of, as I progressed and got older, moved to Dublin, um, started running a a few half marathons and then was selected by Mission Marathon at the time to join the the squad, which was hoping to increase the standard of marathon running in Ireland. And uh, although initially I think the focus was on getting athletes qualified for the 2016 Olympics, uh, the expectations were much surpassed when... uh, they had multiple athletes qualifying for the 2012 Olympics, and luckily I was one of those.
0: Now you mentioned marathon mission taking you on board. So would I be right in saying that rather than you choosing the marathon, that it was you that was selected to run the marathon?
1: Exactly. Yes, I was selected as part of that team, and it was just such a good opportunity. And um, I was delighted to have you know a, a different focus and um, you know train with very like minded athletes and have the support of that group and. Uh, yeah that's really what kind of changed my mind and started me focusing on it
0: and then your first ultramarathon was the 50k world championships in doha back in 2015 and you achieved a third place finish what made you transition from the marathon to the ultramarathon
1: i was fourth in qatar actually john but um, i um i transitioned because i i suppose again it was just that i was selected i was I got a phone call and was asked if I was, uh, you know, if I was interested in representing Ireland at the 50k in Qatar. And to be honest, you know, the opportunity of running in an Irish vest is always such a such an honour and privilege that I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to turn it down. And because it was only I suppose it was my first venture into ultra, but because it was only 8k longer than the marathon, it didn't seem like a terribly daunting challenge. So, um, you know, I, I said I'd grasp it and, and uh, I'm delighted I did.
0: I have to take a note there that I have to double check my research now in the future.
1: <laughs> I should have claimed it, but <laughs> I just couldn't. Oh,
0: yeah, you're too honest. How do you manage training and competing at such a high level whilst also having a full-time job?
1: I think it really just comes down to time management and discipline. Um, I mean, obviously there are times when it's challenging, particularly you know when work is busy and... Um, You know you've deadlines to meet, and you just only have a certain amount of hours in the day. But um, what I kind of typically do at the start of each week is just figure out if I know in advance what days are going to be particularly busy, if I've meetings or um, you know if I've I've conference calls on. I will try and just plan my running schedule to make sure that I get the key schedules or sorry the key sessions in each week. Um, and even if that means maybe just changing around the week a small bit, um, you know, I will do that just to make sure that I definitely get my my important sessions in. And then the others are kind of, I suppose, the slower runs are more um, a bonus of that, uh, you know, to fit it around it if I can get those in as well.
0: That makes it all sound very simple.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I do try and keep it simple because it's something that I love. I really love running. I love training. I love the the process as well as competition um and uh you know i suppose it's not really i don't find it it's it's a chore or it's something that's really difficult to do when you know it's something that i look forward to and um although there are of course there are days when i don't necessarily feel like it or particularly when it comes to the session days you know sometimes i just feel like going for a jog instead of putting myself through the pain but you know you're always much happier that you've done it afterwards and it's nice to finish a week and be able to tick off the fact that you've gotten your key sessions and hit the mileage that you want. Not that that happens every week, but when it does happen, it's a pretty good week.
0: Yeah, and that makes everything that bit easier. And actually, while we're talking now and recording, you are in quarantine. So along with everything else you have to deal with, you you now have quarantine. We're hearing about this quite a lot, but you're the first athlete I've actually been talking to that's actually dealing with it. So how are you, can you explain to us a bit about what the quarantine is? Now, the reason you're in quarantine is because we're in the middle of this COVID pandemic. This is just in case anybody listens to this podcast in 10 years' time. This is 2021, and you're quarantining after an event, isn't that right?
1: That's right, Um, John. I I went to the US to participate in an event in January, and um, I did know at the time that I'd have to quarantine when I returned to Hong Kong, where I'm currently living, Um, but uh, the, the, I suppose the parameters changed a couple of times since leaving Ireland and returning to Hong Kong, because initially I was on, of the understanding that I would have to quarantine for two weeks in a hotel um, that I could choose myself. Then the government changed it to a certain list of um, hotels which they had approved. Um, it was still two weeks at the time, but then on Christmas Eve, um, they increased the number of days of quarantine to 21 days, so three weeks in total um which was fine until we arrived in the US and 3 days after arriving in the US realized that um the the Hong Kong government had actually banned anyone who had spent more than 2 hours in Ireland in the previous 21 days from entering Hong Kong so um you know it has been actually i suppose there's been various different challenges even just in the couple of months uh, between leaving Ireland and returning to Hong Kong but um we we just decided well we had no choice really but we decided to stay on in the us for an extra two weeks which would um total the 21 days which was required you know to gain entry back into hong kong and um just with a we had a negative COVID test to get on the plane um beforehand then a negative COVID test on the airport on arrival and were taken to the designated hotel um, government hotel and um, so we arrived on tuesday morning myself and my husband And this is Saturday. So this is day five. And so far, um, it's been going okay, Um, surprisingly okay so far. But um, because this is Saturday, the first day where, you know, I would typically be out and about um, without work. And it's been a particularly nice day here. The sun is shining. And I think it's the temperatures in the early 20s. So it would have been a perfect day to be out and about. I found that a bit tough today. But you know, I mean, it's fine. I've gotten through it. And and uh, ready to challenge or to take on the next day tomorrow day six
0: i've seen a few photographs of you training in your hotel room on a treadmill and you're smiling are you enjoying quarantine
1: <laughs> I, I think i'm making the most of it my husband is making he's very uh jovial and he's making me laugh every morning so it's always uh it's always a bit of fun um I'm so glad I have the treadmill I must say it's like uh, you're grateful for small mercies in quarantine and knowing that I have the treadmill that I can run on every day I know it'll keep me sane Um, I also have my my turbo trainer for my bike that my friend Andrew dropped over to the hotel and uh, it's just been great to be able to at least work out and keep some sort of normality even though it is a very strange time to be stuck in a hotel room with no fresh air
0: and how much longer do you have to spend there? Many more days. Uh,
1: so sixteen more days after today.
0: Okay, that's quite a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I say you'll be glad to get out. Yeah. Let's go back to the reason why you're in quarantine. Can you tell us a bit about the event that you took part in? Because we were watching it online. So it looked a fantastic event.
1: Oh yeah, it was a really amazing event that Hoka Oni Oni organised. Um I they reached out to me in October of last year to tell me they were organising a 100k race in Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, it was, I suppose, to launch their new shoe, the X2, the carbon X2, um, which is their lightest racing shoe and would rival the, you know, the various other carbon shoes that the other shoe manufacturers are currently producing. It was, uh, I was absolutely delighted to get the opportunity because it was October of 2020 and I hadn't raced since January. So it was by far the longest I've ever gone without having some sort of a race. And, uh, you know, I obviously jumped at the opportunity. Then in December, I found out I was pregnant. So kind of through a curveball. And, um, wasn't I wasn't too sure what to do I spoke to my doctor a couple of times and did some research myself just to figure out you know if it would be possible to still do it and um, myself and my husband kind of you know debated it and thought about it for quite a while and decided with the help of Hoka Oneone that we would you know continue that I would do it and um, you know obviously change my strategy but at least I would still be involved in the event and I'm really glad that I did, even though it didn't work out for me as I planned on the day. It was such an amazing event, and I was really glad to be part of it.
0: Do you know what next on your calendar? You finished third in the Comrades back in, was it 2019?
1: It was 2019, the last time it was on, yeah. Would you have Um, been
0: doing it this year?
1: Yes, I actually had entered both the Two Oceans Marathon in April and Comrades, uh, which was originally due to take place in June this year and then was... um, postponed to september but sub- subsequently was cancelled and I just read a few days ago that um, fortunately the organizing committee have taken the decision and what w- would have been a very tough decision because it's, a, it's the centennial anniversary of the race um, but they have taken the decision to cancel it just due to the current pandemic and um you know the the health concerns for participants which is you know I suppose, right decision but a very tough one at the same time yeah seeing that
0: it's it's very hard isn't it when you see a race being cancelled more than once especially a race with with such a history because it can be hard in a way to bounce back from these things it's almost like starting all over again
1: yeah it's very disappointing and i think they had really you know great plans for this year i mean it's almost like an institution in south africa it's um i suppose it's difficult for us to understand it or for anyone that hasn't run it. It's kind of difficult to explain the significance of the run um, because it's not just for elite athletes. It's for, it's for the masses. It's for everyone. You know, it's, it's a very big personal challenge for so many people. And, um, you know, it's actually just, it's pretty humbling just being there and being part of it. And, um, you know, I do, I really feel for the, for the race and the organizers. I'm sure it's, it was, it has been a very tough week for them.
0: Now, the way you've answered that, I can hear your passion for running. So I want to know now: what do you most enjoy about training and competing?
1: Um, well, I, I do always train to compete. My my like I, I always want to have a goal. I want to something to focus on and to get me out on and, and do those tough sessions. As I said, on the days when you don't necessarily feel like it. Um. But I, I do love, as I also mentioned earlier, I do love the process. I love putting on the runners, getting out there and just feeling free. Um, and there are days when you feel absolutely amazing and you're almost bouncing off the ground. And there are the days that you just want to battle and, you know, keep forever. Um, and that, that feeling is very hard to get you know in, in any other sport I've tried I, I suppose I, as I mentioned at the start I used to be a triathlete and I've also tried rowing for a while and I've tried many other sports when I was younger and I do love sports generally but I think running will always be the one sport that gives me the most joy and uh, um, you know I do I think it's just it's, it's an amazingly simple sport but it can give you so much joy and happiness
0: and could you tell me about some of the major highlights in your running career
1: Uh, qualifying for the olympic games in london 2012 was certainly probably my biggest highlight followed by placing third in comrade Ultramarathon in 2019 um they were i suppose they're the two standout moments because they were just i suppose they came at a time when they really lifted me and um I, i was just really really proud of the way i executed the races and um kind of they went almost they just went really well and it was days that I look back it was those two races that I look back on and think they were probably my two best races ever but I've had loads of other like um you know mini highs I suppose when you run a PD or when you beat someone that you didn't think that you would beat or you know sometimes you can you could run a really good tactical race and it would work out very well for you you know those types of um those types of days I think are always ones to remember and to celebrate
0: and would you have had many low points during your running career?
1: Yes, I've had plenty of low points, and uh, I think as any any runner that competes at a high level would probably agree that running is certainly a sport of highs and lows. And I mean, clearly, it makes the highs better, but the lows can be pretty bad. And um, you know, at the time, it's, it they do seem pretty difficult. Um, I was really unfortunate, particularly when I was younger. I used to get injured really often. um I'd have a really good spell of running and then I'd get injured, so I'd have so many setbacks. um I'd say I probably had every injury under the sun, but it was it was also because I was really eager and i I just wanted to run hard all the time. I wasn't disciplined enough to realize that I needed to run hard and run easy, and you know I suppose there's probably a lot more um insight and science behind. How to really re- train efficiently and race efficiently now without getting injured which i do apply to my training right now and i'm like i'm very lucky to say i haven't been injured in quite a while um but also i suppose my experience in the london olympics was a particular low point um which did you know really kind of set me back and took me a long time to recover from um just psychologically uh, but you know i guess I suppose there's a saying if you get once you can get through something, it will make you stronger, and I do firmly believe that that experience has made me a better athlete, and you know I can take that the benefit of that now um into the ultra running career that I currently have
0: and it's interesting to hear what you say about injuries because there's a lot of people there that when they've been injured and if it's a recording injury that they just accept it, they don't think it'll ever go away. So you're saying you've more or less trained yourself, and you you fixed it by being both strategic and doing what needed to be done, rather than just doing the same thing again and getting injured again.
1: Exactly. Yeah, and I mean to be fair, that's what I used to do. I used to just come back from injury and do exactly the same thing, and then be injured again. Come back to exactly the same thing, be injured again. It was a really. It was actually quite a a bad cycle because I take two steps forward and one step back and it is difficult as you say psychologically coming back from those constant injuries because I suppose at one point you'll probably be pretty sick of it you know and there's always that danger that that injury would be your last but um yeah so now I just um I suppose I've you know I've taken a a very different approach and um, I think for me because I work full-time I think one of the big learning points for me was that I, when I looked back, I always seemed to get injured when I was really busy in work, and I just wouldn't miss a session at the time. I was a bit obsessed with getting the sessions in regardless even if it was at ten o'clock at night, I'd do it. um even saying that now just seems so silly that I would kill someone if I'd heard that they were doing it, you know, but yeah. to me at the time I needed to get it done and I did it. Um, but uh, but yeah, like I suppose just maybe being a bit more mature and being able to look at it with a a, a more. I suppose, like, a better overview of the entire system and the goal, I can kind of see a bit more clearly and it seems to be working.
0: Yeah, it's it's easier to give it voice than it is to take it. And for an athlete that is highly motivated, the easiest thing to do is to train and to train hard. It's not so easy to do the other important stuff when it's take a day off, take a rest, step back, or... Not trained through a bit of pain, thinking that pain is a sign of weakness, which was the old fashioned way of training, that you've got to know and listen to your body and, and listen to the warning signs and prevent them from getting into something more serious. I think that's, that's what you're doing now. That, that's something you've learned along the way.
1: That's absolutely it. Yeah. Yeah. You just have to difficult and all as it is. And I think you've hit the nail on the head when you said the, you know, the hardest thing for an athlete to do is to take a day off or a rest day when it particularly if it's not scheduled in their in their training program i mean taking a rest day when you should be training is just sacrilegious but um,
0: yeah that's very yeah, difficult no, huh? i
1: think yeah very very difficult um even if you're told to do it by your coach it's still difficult and um, because you really do feel like you're slacking and you think if you're competition out training but um as you say there are the days when it's probably the most important to take the rest day and actually not running is more beneficial than running
0: And just what you've mentioned there, I I think that's the way athletes can sometimes evolve into coaches because they learn so much along the way and they can apply those learnings. And in some ways, it can be too late for them to apply it to themselves in the the best possible way. So they then use it to help somebody else not make those same mistakes.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And um, I suppose there's a few people that I'm kind of helping out in Hong Kong here. Um, they just wanted a bit of advice on training and, I was kind of um, guessing that by the know, way I, we
0: were talking there that the way you were yeah. talking you were starting to sound like a coach <laughs>
1: yeah but it's really it's funny it's so interesting because it's so easy for me to see when I um you know when I'm looking at what someone else is doing it just jumps out like so immediately that there's a there's an there's a problem and it's going to develop into a problem but, but but as you say it's really really difficult to apply that to yourself like even even though I can see it in other people. I still can't necessarily see it in myself, even though I'm getting better at it. It's still challenging.
0: Yeah, it's like when you look in the mirror, you won't always see what somebody else sees.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Now, speaking of low points in that again, how would you have motivated yourself to bounce back from setbacks? Do you have any particular strategies that you started to use? Uh,
1: No, I think I just... I just have a burning desire to continue to push on and I just never seem to have lost that. And I'm really lucky, I suppose, that I can say that. Um, but setbacks, I mean, of course, you know, init- your initial reaction may be, oh God, why has this happened again? Or, you know, you have to, there's probably a day or so when you feel sorry for yourself and you, you're you kind of, you are thrown off a bit. But I mean, you know, I've never really gotten to the point where it's ever it's ever really challenged me that much in that I always just want to get back or if I'm injured, my initial thing to do is always to start cross training ASAP because I like I'm doing it so that I know when I return to running, I just pick up the fitness much faster. And in fact, cross training over the years for me has worked out so well, I often wonder if maybe I should actually put it into my routine, like full time, because yeah, I've often come back from injury purely cross training and run PBs. Just I guess the body is um, just more rested, and um, you know two weeks of running will be enough to get me back to full fitness and um, running fitness, I should say. And uh, you know y- you kind of have that, I suppose, psychological break as well as physical break from the you know the consistent running training. So um, yeah, I, I I've just always had the desire to continue and um, not give up, I guess.
0: And what would your opinion be on nutrition and sleep? How much importance do you place on those?
1: Um, I think sleep is absolutely vital. And, um, you know, that's, I think everyone knows that sleep is the best way to recover and um, and particularly you know getting at least eight hours of sleep a night um is just absolutely essential i mean aside from the training side of it i couldn't survive without eight hours anyway because i'd be <laughs> be a nightmare to live with but um yeah and and on the nutrition side as well like the nutrition is clearly very important it's just the fuel for the body and fuel for recovery for um you know for preparing you for the next session and for for enabling you race at your your top level And I I must admit, it would probably be my biggest failing um, where I probably, you know, um, I suppose when you make loads of sacrifices, there's one weakness that I would have. It would be the nutrition. I, I probably don't focus on it as much as I should.
0: And are you finding the sleep difficult now at the moment, seeing as you're contained in one room?
1: No, actually, I find I get really tired at about nine o'clock, which is so early. But I think I'm still small, bit jet lagged coming from L.A. Um, just earlier this week. So um, I seem to be like falling asleep around nine, half nine and waking up at five. So it's fine. Like, I mean, it's nice to have the, it's nice to reach the point in the evening where you're exhausted and you need to sleep. And I think the exercise during the day is certainly helping me with that.
0: Yeah, but it is great that you actually got a hold of a treadmill. Like you did well with that. Was that on room service? Yeah,
1: for sure. <laughs> no. <laughs> are, you, are you the only one that has one? I think so, yeah. No. Um, I got a, well, I didn't get it from the hotel. I got it from, I rented it from a guy who's uh, set up a little business to, to oh, supply really people during quarantine, which good. is pretty good, yeah. Let's
0: move forward a bit. 50k has been your ultra distance event and you recently took part in the Hoka Oni Oni event, the 100k Have you any thoughts on stepping up to 100k in maybe a world championships?
1: Yeah, um, I suppose now I would, yes. Um, I always kind of said, oh, I'd never do 100k because it just seemed like such a long distance. And um, I suppose my, my personal love was always the marathon and actually probably still is the marathon, if I'm being really honest. But having run Comrades in 2019, which is 87k, you know, I think an extra 13k can't be that bad (laughs) maybe it is but um it's certainly something I'd like to try and uh I would um I would certainly like to to try and run it in the world championships if you know I get that opportunity in the next couple of years and I think the 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 100k world championships was supposed to take place last year but um in 2020 but was unfortunately cancelled due to COVID as well but um uh, I think it probably come back on the, on the calendar in 2022. So that might be one to aim towards and give a shot.
0: The way you've explained your step up from 50k to 100k sounds like a strategy they used in the fast food restaurants where they had a small drink and a large drink, but there was such a price difference between the two that they weren't selling the large. So then they introduced a medium drink and the difference between the cost of the medium drink and the large drink wasn't as much. So the large drink became better value. So you've... Stepped up to to the hundred k because you're yeah it's only an extra thirteen k. It's a great analogy. Yeah, so it's, <laughs> yeah. it's it's not it's not double the distance. It's only exactly. thirteen k more than you've yeah. done. Yeah, yeah. And suppose <laughs> yeah. as you probably realise then, with comrades, so when you step up in the distance, that the pace just slows down a bit. You you're kind of rationing out your energy and your your strength to go over a longer period. And if you're running a shorter distance, you're running faster. And the short the shorter the distance, the faster. Now, the reason I'm saying that is, as you move beyond 100k, we then have 24 hours, the time-based race, which differs from everything you've done, that your races are trying to get from A to B, cover a set distance in the shortest possible time, whereby with the time-based race, you have 24 hours to cover as much distance within that race. Would you ever, ever think that you might try a time-based race like the 24 hours?
1: I think the 24 hour one would be really challenging because because I suppose you can't sleep and I think that would be just really tough trying to run and and not sleep um to be honest I haven't given it a huge amount of thought because I guess it's not well I suppose it is a race in one respect but you're racing against the clock more than against people maybe um
0: But no if, I, if if it was a time trial maybe but if you went along and watched the 24-hour race, you'd see how competitive they actually are. To me, a 24-hour race is almost like a game of chess where you have the teams getting their players in, in place over the first 16 hours, and then it starts. And they're very, very tactical. And you'd be surprised at how easy it is to stay during Jordan, because of the excitement that's there. I think it's something that you'd actually, actually yeah. have to see to appreciate it.
1: But even saying that, John, like the first 16 hours... <laughs> <laughs> You're like in quarantine. You <laughs> yeah, I know, but like it just seems like such a long time. I'm not sure that it's even like oh I don't know if I could wrap my head around that quite yet. I mean I might change. I mean I did say I'd never run a hundred K and I, I was I just thinking that to myself I there. Done that, so. <laughs> yeah.
0: you had said that never. It was never on your radar. Yeah. And this no. year we have the Anglo Celtic plate, which is a home nations competition between England, Ireland, Scotland, Wales and Northern Ireland and Ireland hasn't had much participation in the 100k over the last few years, so we're hoping that that'll get a, f- a few more athletes interested. So that's something that you might consider maybe next okay, year. when is it on? Well, this year it's on in August, and it's on in Ireland. So next year I think it's on in Wales, or it could be Northern oh, Ireland. Very I'm not sure exactly which one Very good. So it might be something to consider next year. And if you're home in Ireland at the time, you might come out and have a look.
1: Definitely, yeah. For sure.
0: Now, before we finish up, I'm curious to know how you're killing your time in quarantine, apart from the treadmill. Are you reading any books at the moment? Is there any, I'm looking for bits of inspiration.
1: I'm reading Barry Geraghty's autobiography at the moment, um, which is actually excellent. Um, it is something different. Um, I, I'm actually always fascinated by the mindset of a jockey because it's not just the athlete it's also the animal and um it's actually a really interesting insight into how the two how the jockey kind of um I suppose bonds with the with the animal and gets the feedback from him as the race progresses and the tactics of it I think are fascinating so um it's a really good read if you want something slightly different in a sports book
0: yeah, you have me thinking there now because just as you mentioned with the jockey bonding with the horse, the jockey doesn't own the horse and he could be on a different horse every time.
1: Exactly, yes, and multiple horses even in the same day.
0: Okay, yeah, oh, that's might be an interesting one. Can you suggest any TED Talks or anything that might be of, I suppose, use to somebody training for a race? Something so to help with I, the mental side of things.
1: I don't. I must admit, I don't listen to many podcasts or or um, TED talks. Uh, I, when I'm running myself, I like to just run and not listen to to anything. So I don't really have the time. I guess. To well, you have to, the time uh, now
0: because you're in quarantine. <laughs>
1: yeah, I'm going to I keep do, reminding uh, you that. Maybe if I maybe if I find one, I'll uh, I'll let you know. Um, I'm more into reading books, autobiographies in particular. Um, and uh, I'm just trying to think. There's a few inspirational. I read Andy Lee's autobiography recently and I thought that was excellent. Um, it was a really good insight into how someone um, who had been fighting for years set his sights on becoming a world champion and the journey that he had to reach that. was. I think that was, uh, that was really good. So I think if you were preparing for a race or a big event, um, I think that one would be a good one to read.
0: Okay, I've taken note of both of those. Is there anything else you'd want to add before we say goodbye?
1: No, I think that's been great, John. Um,
0: Before we finish up, the IAU Global Solidarity Run is on the weekend of March 20th, 21st. Will you be taking part in that on your treadmill? Oh,
1: I'll actually be out of quarantine by then, John, luckily, (laughs) you know. Yeah, I mean, it sounds... Pretty amazing. Um, I'd really like to be part of it. It will probably depend at the moment on what the weather is like in Hong Kong, because uh, if it gets really hot, um, I just have to be careful with the pregnancy. But um, but yeah, all going well. I think I'll i participate and uh, and uh, see how it goes.
0: Okay, Katrina. Thanks very much for your time, and see you at the start of a race in the near future.